Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Here we are back with another guest interview. Alana is back on the podcast. We joke that I think it's now been her third or fourth time on the show. We just have such a good time getting to chat together. Before we get into that, though, I just want to remind anyone, if you missed Friday's episode, it was a really special episode celebrating 100 episodes of the Crescent podcast. I just said episodes like five times, (laughs) but I was celebrating this milestone. I was talking about how I'm actually learning to celebrate these moments and not compare myself to others. I didn't ask me anything where I was answering some questions that you all had submitted. And then I shared a really fun announcement of what is coming in October for the podcast. So definitely check it out if you haven't. On to today's interview with Alana, we are talking all about Moment Health, her new hormone wellness company. And so we dive into all things natural hormones, hormone testing, common symptoms of hormone imbalances, the difference between synthetic and bioidentical hormones, natural hormone solutions. And then at the very end, we answer some questions that again, you the listeners had submitted a few weeks back. And I think there's some really, really useful information in those answers that was so fun to do and I really hope to be doing more of those in the future so with that please enjoy this interview with Alana Okay, well, Alana, I think this is maybe your fourth time on the podcast now. Oh my gosh, I'm a regular commentator. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. We're just going to have a, an Alana segment. Mm-hmm. This weekly segment with Alana. Yeah. It's hard. I, we've talked about this before, but we sound the same. So we need to work on that somehow. Changing your... Well, I was thinking about this because like your who you are affects your voice and your fo- your voice affects you. And so maybe there's something to be said that we sound similar that we, you know, like who we are is yeah. somewhat connected in a way. Yeah. <laughs> the eye contact was so the special. Con- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, this is really fun and exciting for me as a friend, as a colleague, like as all the things to get to kind of celebrate you and shine the light on you a little bit more oh. today to talk about well, moment health and all the to. things you've been up to. Yeah. Um, yeah, for a while we've been sort of like piloting and working on and doing this hormone testing company and treating lots of women, helping lots of women and growing and exploring. And that's what I've been up to. So I think people are familiar with you, at least through my audience, from some of our different episodes talking about hormonal birth control and ancestral eating, but... I imagine a lot of them haven't really heard 
your origin story and what kind of got you into health in the first place they probably don't even know how into health you are like just (laughs) what a little studious researcher you are um so tell us a little bit about that sort of original interest you had in health Mm -hmm. and what ultimately led you to the creation of Mm -hmm. moment health what it is Mm -hmm. all the things yeah i think your interests choose you like at an early on stage and sometimes you don't listen to the like tugs and pulls of your interests because of what society deems you should do or what you what everyone else is around you is doing and so that was definitely me I was like I want to I have to work in finance because I would need to that's what I needed everyone's doing these days um and and so I did that but like deep down I like on the weekends I'd always read about health my mom was a doctor always talked to her about just like the body nutrition I, I started doing projects on the side that had to do with food and everything like helping out with you know different sort of like just interesting consumer packaged goods projects and stuff while I was like working in finance and tech and stuff and then I had my own health issues and I've talked about them before on podcasts but like I mean they're not like huge grave issues like massive things but they're like enough to where it's like oh wow a lot of this stuff we hear about is not totally accurate from like a health standpoint um and so that just led me down that road and obviously I'm into combining like marketing and health and that's more my sort of background is health and marketing and combining those um and delivering like really high quality information to people Mm -hmm. and so but yeah the hormone testing has always been a super passion of my super passion of mine because um my mom was a des baby and i'm a des grandbaby basically back in the day in the 50s they were giving this drug to pregnant women and it was a synthetic hormone and it caused like cancer caused um disfigurement and then on the grandchildren there's like a big study going on on what the effects are with that but that always like I think really touched me that like her entire life was dealt this weird hand you know like to overcome and um so it's just fascinating the guidance that women still get though today on hormones is still so off it's so crazy like how Yes, that and that was terrible, the DES, and but it's like it, certain versions of it are still being like, go, you know, going on. And so I was like, well, I think this is an area that I don't know what like what you work on, I think, is what do you think needs to be shed more light on, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that happens to be this area where it's like, I just think the world needs to know more about this more than anything Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about because i do think we've talked about the des before Mm -hmm. i know we also talked about the the oxalates Mm -hmm. that came up (laughs) i think that was on the ancestral eating diet we talked about that a little bit but can you talk about your hormones because i know recently or within you know the last year or so you sort of had an epiphany with your hormones and that I think was like a really huge trajectory too oh, for really? you. Okay, I can't really remember, but I'll try. Well, thyroid stuff oh, you yeah, were yeah, aware yeah. of. Yeah. What was that? What was did you say? Thyroid? Yeah, the thyroid just didn't exactly. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. The thyroid huge. Um, yeah, I always didn't have that many health issues other than the oxalate intolerance, which like changed my trajectory of like how I eat and stuff. And honestly, eating and eating patterns are like such like a huge bulk of 
how you feel and stuff. But sometimes there's still tweaks to be made. So I was like still going on that journey. And then taking natural desiccated thyroid like changed my entire life. It was for the for the good. Amazing. Which thyroid like thyroid hormones, they're they're not sex hormones. So at the moment we we don't like initially start with that. We start with like a starting point. Our di- first diagnostic biomarkers are sex hormones. Um, but that's not to say that thyroid hormones aren't equally important, but they're just not everyone needs to be tested for them because I don't know. They're just uh, they're they're more symptom based, I think, than accuracy based off blood. Um, but so like my T3 and T4 numbers were normal. I had really high um, antibodies, which are a sign of Hashimoto's, but there also could be many things like having an antibody is basically your body trying to like clean up debris. And so I feel like we always interpret things as negative, like, oh, those are so off the charts, but in a way they could be good, right? Because your body's doing a lot of cleanup and that's a good thing that Mm -hmm. you're doing that. So anyways, um, I still had some symptoms, like I was like not sleeping through the night. Um, I felt like I had a slow metabolism, those two things, and I had cold hands, cold feet. So those three things led me to be like, okay, why don't I just start taking this natural desiccated thyroid? And within like two weeks, I probably lost 20 pounds. I slept through the night. And I'm, I'm not that I like, I'm not like, I never needed to really like lose weight, but I always just had this like feeling that I had a slow metabolism and it always bothered me. And then, yeah, I think I've said this before on a different podcast that I feel like I won the golden ticket by taking thyroid. And obviously if you can turn it on without like help, like help your thyroid support it without taking it, that's probably the best route. But um, for me, taking this really helped so many symptoms. So most women are prescribed just T4, a pure T4, something like Lavoxyl's like prescription. But I think most women actually do better on T3 and T4, like in their natural amounts, like the ones that match your the way your body naturally produces hormones, mm-hmm. T3 and T4. But um, most doctors are just giving straight T4, which actually can have an anti-thyroid effect because basically you need a lot of you know, energy and resources to convert T4 to T3. And if you don't have those, then your body can't convert and you end up accumulating T4, which has an anti-thyroid effect. So if that sounds like you, possibly explore, I don't know, maybe natural desiccated thyroid. Yeah, (laughs) I have... I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism in 2017 mm-hmm. and started off on Synthroid just yeah. with the standard endocrinologist. And it was one of those things where like it just alleviated my symptoms like just barely. Mm-hmm. But then all these other symptoms came up like intense hair loss, oh, wow. mood swings. And so thankfully, relatively quickly, I was able to get on like a nature thyroid, one mm-hmm. of the natural thyroid options. And you actually put up a really good post recently on like all the different natural thyroid options yeah. on Moment Health. I feel like that had to be said because everyone, no one knows what to do yeah. and what to take. I'm like, everyone refer to this post and what to take. Yes, totally. <laughs> well, and then you had mentioned the Thyrovance, which is the natural mm-hmm. desiccated. That's what I take, yeah. And so I had just finished like my nature thyroid or whatever, mm-hmm. like it was out. And so I was like, I'm going to get this and try it out. And it's really interesting because what I have to say is I take my basal body temperature every morning as part of my just mm-hmm. fertility tracking and sort of natural birth control. Mm-hmm. And I had I had like dropped back down into the 97s. Mm-hmm. And I know when I'm in the 97s, like my thyroid's being a little sluggish. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, I got the thyroid, Thyrovance, the 75 milligram one. And the very next day after taking it that first round, my my basal body temperature jumped up to 98 something that's great and 
And then I ran out of that and I was without it for a couple of days and literally it dropped right back down to 97, mm. got on it again, jumped up to 98. Wow. So it's definitely helping. Now, I know obviously the bigger question is like, what is missing for my thyroid that it needs this? Right. And that's like the deeper root cause yeah. question that I'm working on as well. But I don't know. Yeah, I have that question too, but I'm like, I'm searching, but I don't really know. Yeah. But anyways, it was just like really, so cool. really profound. Yeah, that's a, that's a marker of how to know that thyroid is working is your temperature. Um, and then you kind of have to tweak it. Like I've been playing with 50, 75 MCG to 100 MCG. Mm. I don't really notice a big difference between 50 to 100. Yeah. So somewhere in there, I've been sticking with like 75. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. So can we talk though a little bit about why hormone testing, having your hormones in balance mm-hmm. is so important? Because I do think sometimes we look at this in a very acute or sort of like... I don't know what the word for it is, like a separate manner Mm -hmm. in the sense that people might think, oh, if my estrogen is high, it just affects my period, nothing else. Mm -hmm. Or if my testosterone is high, it just affects this. I don't think we always totally understand how Mm -hmm. hormones play a role in everything. Yeah. They're basically these like little messengers. You can't see them. And yet they're like profoundly connected to your health. Like the the whole, the term hormones from the phrase to set in motion like that is what they're based on they're supposed to keep your body in motion but you can imagine if they're off then they're messing everything up their entire body's out of motion um but i think there is some like confusion because there's so many hormones there's like sex hormones and there's thyroid hormones and so they're playing a all different roles like they're not all doing the same thing and so lumping them all into one is is like sort of confusing um, because having like really high estrogen is just so different from having really high testosterone or really high progesterone. And so, but then you're asking someone to like understand all these, these sort of like little roles in your body. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want to understand like disease and keep your body healthy, like maybe that's a worthwhile thing to understand. Yeah. I think so. Well, right. And again, it's so tricky because I understand where so many health professionals are coming from when they're just sharing information like on the thyroid they're just sharing information Mm -hmm. on estrogen Mm -hmm. i think it's because you know we as people can only take in so much information Mm -hmm. at once Mm -hmm. but it does end up making it seem like these are very acute unrelated things Mm -hmm. you know and so just us as individuals need to kind of keep that responsibility of knowing and really doing that research of yeah how does this all connect into this symphony of what's going on in my body yeah and it should be like an enriching process like the uncovering of of human life and body and health like that's should be enriched like to me it's i mean even if it's not where your interest totally lies it's it's you know it's so it's so integral to your to how you'll you'll perform in your life and so it's just one of those things where it's like it should be sort of enriching rather than like a chore to learn about all this stuff um but you know at a minimum you you just want to live like a life full of longevity so it's the basics are kind of good to understand and basically yeah like they're all these hormones are keeping your body in motion but um when they're out of motion things like cancer occur what's the like so when you get a breast cancer diagnosis or hopefully no one does like but when you when someone does the first thing the oncologist you know does a biopsy and he'll send it to the lab and he'll go to see how hormones are affecting that tissue. Like that's how powerful these things are. And yet we don't even talk about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there, no one really even knows how related they are to so many health issues, but they're, they're driving force behind a lot of diseases. Basically, yeah, high estrogen, high prolactin, high serotonin, low thyroid, 
high cortisol those few, there's like a cascade and they're rarely um independent so if you have high estrogen you often have high cortisol and you often have low thyroid and you often have high serotonin mm-hmm. and then you're heavily linked to getting things like cancer and so it's like there's not total mysteries there's a lot of like <laughs> running trends to be aware of and i think that's what like moment does you know trying to make you aware of the trends running in your body so that we can like be proactive and present prevent disease as much as possible well and versus waiting until the house is burning down right mm-hmm. this is an analogy we use so often but when we mm-hmm. are regularly testing these things and understanding what it means mm-hmm. right not mm-hmm. just sort of willy-nilly getting hormone tests done but then not having them interpreted mm-hmm. appropriately mm-hmm. that's what helps us catch things early right if we know our baseline estrogen is blank and then all of a sudden this year it's spiked up crazy high Mm -hmm. that's a sign that something's off something's out of balance something needs to be looked at and so the sooner we can catch when Mm -hmm. things start to go off the sooner Mm -hmm. we can bring in the things that are really going to support the rebalance and and likewise the sooner we catch it the less usually needs to be done Mm -hmm. to restore balance yeah and I, i i so i think they've looked at how severe like menopause symptoms is linked to what happened 10 years before Mm -hmm. and even how early you start puberty and puberty is obviously linked to hormones when your estrogen starts to surge you you know start to have a period you start to uh it's the first time you start to gain weight and so it's the first Mm -hmm. time hormones are put into your your mind um you everything changes right from that point on from puberty i remember when i went through puberty and that that exact thing played out i gained weight like i i I used to be able to eat everything and then everything changed you know i was like wow okay we're getting like more you know weight and but it's just uh the first time hormones really put into play but that the earlier you start um you know your menstrual cycle is linked to when you start menopause Mm. um and then a lot of other cultures like in asia actually don't report a ton of menopausal symptoms and they think it's related to lifestyle and diet and so yes you you know in many years is when we're all these things are going to show up but they're they're never random it's all connected um to you know the foundation you laid for the for the bulk of your life Mm -hmm. yeah and there's so many different again, I think we talked about this, ways that imbalanced hormones can play out in our lives. I think for women, again, sometimes we just think like, if my hormones are imbalanced, I'm going to have painful periods and a bad menopause. But like, there's so much more to that. I mean, just think about when your thyroid's off, not having energy Mm -hmm. every single day. I've been there. I know how that feels. Mm -hmm. It's horrible Mm -hmm. to have that functioning again. It's like you get your life back. You get your vibrancy back, your motivation you're engaging with people again. So it spills over into so many different things. Totally. Although our periods, yes, and menopause, yes, are hugely important and can also have a huge, huge impact when we can correct those too. Oh yeah, it's they're acting all over you, all over your day, all over your body, all over your life, um, all over your skin. Like I think I was reading a study about how um, high cortisol can like predict um, how people perceive your age. Mm. And so it's, it's, and, um, high cortisol is linked to hair loss. And these are just obviously more superficial physical items, but that's just like to explain like, um, on all part of you. Also, I was just, another thing I was reading about how, uh, veterans that have been diagnosed with PTSD actually have really high rates of osteoporosis because of the potentially high cortisol, Mm. high stress levels. Um, And so everything is connected. There's truly nothing like localized. The fact that you have, you know, 
breast cancer or something is where something may be susceptible but um everything is acting all over you mm-hmm. and that's to what your like doctors run into like let's focus on the gut well that's it's never it's never like that you know everything is I, I wish it was like simple like that it would make everyone's lives easier but um and so yeah what our doctors do is look really like comprehensively of everything and sort of like start peeling back the onion um because it's all it's all connected it's not it's never just localized mm-hmm. yeah. to that point what are the main or what do you find with patients coming in are the main issues they're coming in for support for when it mm-hmm. comes to hormones? Are there things that you guys are really specializing in or is it like, look, anything hormone come to us? Mm-hmm. And do you see guys too? I yeah, don't we do. We see guys. Um, it's all hormonal issues. So it's not, it's, you know, menopause, perimenopause, ovarian cysts, fibroids, fibrocystic um, breasts, um ovarian yeah i said ovarian cysts endometriosis did i say that i don't know (laughs) infertility hair loss weight gain so i mean it's like all hormonal issues which is all health issues which is kind of funny but um i think women sort of have like an intuition that they're like a lot of people come in and they're like i think my hormones are off um because they're not something you know it's not like oh i get a stomach ache every time you know where it's like that's my gut it's more sort of like uh, sixth sense of yeah, yeah. Kind of, like it's hard to know unless you have like some knowledge that like ovarian cysts are linked to hypothyroidism which they are um actually animals can be induced with ovarian cysts when they make them hypothyroid so just correcting you know thyroid with that um so if you like have that sort of knowledge base then you'd be like yeah i need to go get my hormones checked um but it's not yeah it's not totally obvious sometimes but yeah all hormonal issues but we you know we're looking at the entire body we're not just like here let's fix your hot flashes because it's never that simple i wish it was like i said yeah Yeah. well i think that's such a good point because even in the more integrative functional medicine world i see this happen all the time where it's like we're still kind of coming at it with a band-aid approach Mm -hmm. albeit a more natural Mm -hmm. band-aid approach but Mm -hmm. we're still just like oh your hormones are off great here's a supplement to help balance Mm -hmm. them like have a great life and again that's nice that those natural things aren't going to come with all these side effects but there's still that bigger question of okay but why Mm -hmm. are my hormones off yes it could be that there was just like an acute thing going on in your life but more often than not it's that there's a couple imbalances going on in other places contributing to this and that is really the deeper question we're after yeah and i think a lot of our like mindset limits us to getting to those answers because like the best person to find that out is really the patient themselves you know like the doctor sees this tiny little snippet of your life but you are living it and it's uh part of the process of uncovering where we're you know whether something in our routines or or like something like if you are um if you have like gut issues every day and you're also but you're committed to this idea of being like vegetarian like for example just a random example um and you're so attached to this then a lot in a lot of ways we limit our ability to find that those 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 root causes totally like when we need to break through that and we need to like break up patterns and in every way like whatever like there's weakness in a lot of these rhythms that we just are so attached to Mm -hmm. um but yeah a lot can be done too on the patient side and a lot of it we want to give the tools back to the patient you know and give them the the like strength and the education and the tools to start uncovering this on their own Mm -hmm. because ultimately it's their life yeah when we come when we become 
dogmatic with our routines. This is something that's so near and dear to my heart. But when our routines and our habits become dogmatic, it's like it becomes really hard for us to pivot out of them Mm -hmm. and be able to see when they're no longer serving us. Mm -hmm. I think a huge one is women who have really extreme adrenal cortisol and stuff like that doing super super intense exercises can just exacerbate that hormone imbalance and that stress we're putting on our body and so i'll tell people like if you are really truly intensely stressed and fatigued and depleted try exercises that are much more gentle and soothing that aren't like Mm -hmm. continuing to add that stress on your body and i know so many women who are just like but no, like I've got to hit the gym. Like I've got to kill myself in this workout. So true. <laughs> so totally. That was so me too. Like I was obsessed. I was like such a gym rat and I I don't work out anymore. Like I don't at all. And it's, but I, I yeah, I had to like have that breakthrough totally. of I don't have to do what this one rule that was knocked into my head a million times that you must sweat and kill yourself on every workout is actually only when I like literally stopped working out that I became happier. And I, not to say like I sit all day, um, which I do most of the day cause I'm working, but I do like play tennis and go swimming instead, instead of this, like you need to work out, go out there and like grind on your workout. <laughs> and it's so true. Like you had, I had to have that breakthrough mm-hmm. to help myself, but breakthroughs only happen if you're open to it. And if you're willing to like listen to those those like voices, um, because yeah, a lot of people just um, would rather suffer than explore other options. Yeah, the unknown is scary. I mean, that's right. there's a part of that that like we consciously understand, and then there's a part of just our reptilian brain that's always going to be afraid to try things it's never done before. That hopefully we can overcome that. But yeah, when I I had the same exact thing, especially being competitive soccer, playing abroad, like. I had that in my head that if I am not killing myself every day, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to feel awful. And I found that like when I, when I would do like a 20 minute bar workout every day and maybe a gentle walk. And of course I'm eating well, I felt better. I actually lost more weight. I had more energy, all the things. And, and now I'm actually coming into a phase where I'm excited to do harder workouts. But the point is, is we need to give ourselves permission to do what we actually feel not mm-hmm. like deeply feel not think we should do right. but what our intuition is telling us and that goes for so many things totally. though like especially I mean I see it all the time with like eating and stuff uh we love the stories we've told ourselves yeah. for so long yeah. and we, we'd rather just agree with those than think that we could be doing something actually hurting us um and so it's it's a blessing to be very open-minded to getting things wrong and to realize that we don't know that much like there's still a lot to be determined and so Mm -hmm. not like swatting away ideas that are um against us but there's also this idea that like um it actually takes a very healthy person to be open Mm -hmm. and so when you're um naturally against new ideas um and i don't know how this totally relates to hormones but i think it does because um from like a patient side um, if you are, it, it takes a lot of energy and resources to take in a lot of new information. And, um, and so I think even if you are an open person, I think I would take that as a sign of health, um, yeah. mental health, health yeah. in general. Um, and so it can help a lot though, having that because you can keep tweaking and adjusting your life to continue to thrive with 
uh, taking in new ideas and enriching your mind and your body. And that's just been so powerful for me when I've knocked down these preconceived notions that I was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, I just thought so, so dearly to be right. And I, I just love that about life that it like always cuts off your ankles when you are so sure (laughs) that's just the way it works you know (laughs) well yeah because we put the blinders on and then the universe is like okay Mm -hmm. the only way I'm gonna get you to see this is to really I've been trying to get your attention gently always comes not working (laughs) it all like it I mean life is just so perfect like that like you you will get the lesson you need to learn um and so many different like I was thinking about this on the way this is like somewhat unrelated but like how you always get the face you deserve too and this is so funny like like you you do you always get like you always get the name and the face you're supposed to have Mm. it's so perfect life is so perfect like that like how you're meant to look the way you're supposed to look um, and I think about this with like, you know, uh, there's like this saying that's like, um, show me a man's face and I know his entire outlook on life. And that's like so me for me. I always am like sort of analyzing the way the way um, our life has affected our face and totally. the way we affect everything in our like appearance and stuff. And not like in a super appearancey way, like I care about that, stuff, but it's just more of like a um, how interesting it is that we, yeah, we get the lessons we need to learn. We get the face we need to learn. Um yeah the universe is so perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's I mean it's like checks and balances and nature does that so effortlessly Mm -hmm. I think and then we as these conscious human beings (laughs) have a hard time sometimes really picking up on those cues and everything but all that to say so what I'd love to hear about is I want to talk a little bit about hormone testing yeah and like everything in health I think this is way more nuanced Mm, than we think so true and I'd love to hear a little bit about like what's going on in the more conventional world in terms of hormone testing and then what's going on over at moment health okay (laughs) yeah so there's a few different ways to measure hormones um there's historically blood has been more used um and I think that still remains the gold standard as as my as my opinion and then there's urine which has kind of come onto the scene hot I think we all know like the urine test um a company that does the a version of the urine test called the Dutch test which has just done an amazing job if anything marketing you know the getting the their name it's got a good name Dutch in all caps Dutch <laughs> um and then there's saliva so yeah we use blood for a few different reasons and this is like opinions of experts like the best in the game that believe that um the urine is more a sign of liver metabolism than a biomarker, a diagnostic biomarker. And when you think about it, urine and saliva are secretions. They're secretions your body's excreting. Mm-hmm. They're not a, necessarily a snapshot of the highway of what's going on with your hormones inside you. And and so, I, and this is by no means to say that they are useless because I think there's a good uh yeah a lot of people think that they can be useful the urine test when with paired with a blood test um but as a starting diagnostic marker maybe not mm-hmm. um, because they're they're not showing totally hormonal effects that could be going in your body again they're secretions mm-hmm. and so um that's why we use blood and then saliva again it's a secretion and there's a lot of interruptions in the mouth when you think about like everything going on there and and we care so much about it being precise and so we've sent so many samples to the labs and trying to find like reliability and you know if we're going to give someone hormones that are like a substance that's going to change their body their hormone levels we kind of do want to get as close 
as we can. And so, I mean, from a patient perspective, do we want them to have to prick their finger at home? Like, no, obviously we'd rather maybe use like saliva, but if we do care a lot about quality Mm -hmm. and I think, um, yeah. And so people have their opinions on what is the most accurate, but I think blood, um, gets as close as you, as you can. And really it's still limited because a lot of estrogen is made in the fat cells and your tissues, Hmm. but that's not obviously in blood. And like a lot can be made in the fat tissues. And so there's all these limitations. The only way you'd really get to know that is if you did a biopsy, which is very expensive and invasive. It's Mm -hmm. only done if you have cancer, a biopsy, you know, of your skin. Um, But that would be amazing. That'd be really cool if we could figure out a way to do that. I don't think that's in going to happen soon. But um, yeah, so I think working with a provider that actually understands those limitations for uh you know for blood testing that you're not you're not understanding the tissue which is when you take into account something like um weight or height um Mm -hmm. something like that um there's also nail and there's toe yeah there's toenails that are kind of interesting but obviously you don't really it's kind of weird to like ask someone to clip off some of their toenails <laughs> so i mean we, we, maybe you know maybe um if i've i've pulled so many people to see what what do they like from a patient perspective what's most they're comfortable with um the blood is something you like once you do once you're like oh i totally get it yeah but yeah, if you've yeah. never done it it's sort of like jarring it, it's just a good picture of what's going on and um we find blood to be the most useful starting point right like it's a diagnostic biomarker a small subset um i i wish one day we could get like a huge panel for inexpensive because there's a lot of estrogens we the most the most commonly tested one is estradiol but there's others there's like you know there's estriol um and then there's other hormones that can tell a good picture like prolactin and serotonin and Mm. cholesterol and um, cholesterol can, you know, see if your, if your thyroid's low. And so, um, we're doing the best we can as far as giving someone a good starting point. And then from there, if we need to do a more comprehensive look in a few months, we can totally do that. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are the, in that like initial baseline testing, what are the hormones you guys are looking at? Um, estradiol, cortisol, DHEA, SHBG, testosterone, and progesterone. And those are, yeah, pretty a basic starting panel Mm -hmm. to get you going. And it's so fascinating because I'd say most women right now are estrogen dominant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so crazy. Even in menopause, there's this idea that like everyone menopause is low in estrogen um, because the ovaries start producing less, which is why you don't get a menstrual cycle. But again, like I said, estrogen's can be produced other places in the body Mm. and that's just what our labs show confirm that estrogen dominance is alive and well even in menopause and that's why you want to work with a provider that understands that and actually testing we had someone come to us the other day that this company i guess doesn't do any initial testing and so they just gave estrogen and uh yeah oh my gosh kind of willy-nilly and (laughs) i'm like well i mean you owe it to yourself to know like you deserve better than just that well yeah i mean you've got to know your starting point right you know like something some data to sort of make give you a direction like have a plan well right because if you're if you're extra dominant and you're taking more estrogen like incredibly obviously that incredibly dangerous incredibly dangerous okay so so, i'm sorry keep going though she came in yeah they just gave her estrogen yeah she she the company had just given her that one that she went to had just given her estrogen they didn't test and she was um yeah she was yeah so thankful that she found us i guess having (laughs) like even more intense symptoms of estrogen dominance yeah um there's a lot of 
symptoms of estrogen dominance but um a lot of you know you can even break out in like weird skin issues like psoriasis itching Mm. um one of the things is is if you have so a lot of women that will go on like a patch that's kind of like very conventional like conveyor belt like is just here's this like patch like an estrogen patch yeah okay um you sort of feel like tweaking a little bit a lot of energy um and sometimes unnaturally so but it still feels good and so how do you like handle that with somebody you know that's like wait I feel good but maybe this is unnaturally so maybe this is potentially dangerous maybe these are levels way above but I'm still feeling good um yeah our method is more conservative I would say you want to match like what is physiology like what's necessary but not crazy um and usually it's just about bringing that blood level to a normal level you don't want to go overboard well right because anything in excess in the body now just becomes one more thing it needs to process and excrete and i think this isn't something we think about we're kind of just like let me take a supplement that has twenty thousand times my daily value no big deal like my body will just excrete Mm -hmm. the rest but i think about this a lot in the sense that we live in a world that's so toxic now the burden's already heavy enough mm-hmm. of what we need to process and excrete. And even though it's a natural substance, whether it's vitamin mm-hmm. D, vitamin C, estrogen, that's just one more thing that's going to take up energy and resources that the body needs to process and clear away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you excrete um, estrogen and through the liver. And so you really need like a liver that's functioning well or else it'll start to accumulate and cause more issues. But a really good point on the word like natural, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good or it needs to be taken or it can just be taken without yeah. you know in excess right you know? right i mean yeah. and so like technically estrogen's natural but you still don't want too high levels and even right. minor level like minor imbalances are linked to big issues which is just crazy how the body is so complicated and perfect yeah. um but yeah even minor i was reading a study that's like even a minor imbalance between estrogen dominance ratio create can create um fibrocystic breasts so mm. and that's a big one a lot of women have like tender breasts fibrocystic breasts um and fibroids yeah can we talk a little bit about some of the common symptoms you uh-huh. see uh-huh. and then maybe some of the not so common ones that maybe people don't connect to mm. imbalance and then i would love to talk about the difference between synthetic hormones and mm-hmm. bioidentical hormones mm-hmm. but let's start with yeah. symptoms yeah we see a lot of like pms menopause perimenopause weight gain hair loss um you start when you have like sort of those things that bug you like i think women really don't like the weight gain i think they really don't like the hair loss that happens sometimes in perimenopause menopause that usually happens like around 40 seems to be like a good sweet spot but even younger um a lot of a lot of pms we see that Mm -hmm. which can really be helped um with like taking i mean you want to kind of correct things on your own with like you know without taking anything but sometimes a little progesterone can help facilitate the synthesis of its own progesterone mm-hmm. it doesn't turn off your own progesterone you like you know your own ability to make it mm-hmm. it can help actually facilitate it so um have really good really good experiences with that although there's said to be a little adjustment period we're so delicate yeah women like (laughs) we are and so there could be um and so you kind of oh no like i uh have spotting or i'm hungrier than usual so there is this sort of adjustment period but within a few months it's usually you'll be fine Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm trying to think what other all kinds of issues it's usually like a few 
main ones like three big mm-hmm. you know whether it's like brain fog menopause uh heat flash hot flashes and uh fatigue those mm-hmm. like three and then like pair that with like uh you know all the other things that sort of spill out from that yeah Yeah, and like i said it's a cascade focus issue yeah Mm -hmm. all the things Mm -hmm. yeah it's a cascade and it's never like it never just like um it's all about what happened like 10 years before Mm -hmm. to lead up to that okay so let's talk about bioidentical hormones what does that even mean because i imagine there might be some people out there who didn't even realize there was a difference Mm -hmm. they just you know their doctor gave them hormones they just are taking Mm -hmm. it um, and their doctor maybe never explained, like, there's different types going on here. Yeah, and sometimes the doctor might even not even know the difference, so that adds another layer of confusion. But bioidentical basically means it matches the exact hormone in your body. And so a lot of women, like, I if from a, I would feel more comfortable, like, taking something that's, like, I'm ar- I know I'm already producing, not a foreign substance, whereas synthetic hormones have been altered a tiny bit. And so they're not the exact... Um, molecule match as what you already produce and so but women are still put on you know things so an example of synthetic hormone would be progestin which is commonly used in the birth control pill mm-hmm. and then um, a lot of people get confused with progestin with progesterone which is um, they sound the same I think the origin story of why they're named so similarly is progestin and rabbits had like an effect on a rabbit's uterine lining and they thought that was enough to call it progestin which is crazy the and like words matter so much it's Mm. crazy because even doctors sometimes don't know the difference between progestin and progesterone so you want to make sure i guess i mean you want to make sure you know what you're taking um people are like wait is people sometimes will be like is what i'm taking bioidentical or not i was like oh well we got to figure you know we got to we got to nail that first we got to make sure you you know you you feel comfortable with what you're taking you're fully like knowledgeable and like feeling good about this um because you know we got to answer those those little questions first but yeah there's a big difference huge difference they practically have different you know effects on the body i mean you can imagine progestin is used for um birth control in a lot of cases and then progesterone obviously we don't use that as necessarily the same use you know they're very different yeah just by that i think it comes back to Yes, we know a lot and we've come really far in medicine, but there are probably millions of interactions in the body that we have no awareness of. Yeah. So many things going on that I think we haven't, we just don't understand. And so it might seem like no big deal. Yeah, we're taking this synthetic Mm -hmm. thing that's almost the same Mm -hmm. as the natural form and it probably won't have any effects, but I really do. I'm very much of the mindset that there's a reason our body makes it the way it does. <laughs> right. And even if we don't necessarily know all the reasons, I would very much rather have something that I know my body makes itself mm-hmm. rather than a synthetic that, who knows? Just who knows? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the interesting side of it. And I think the best doctors are the ones that are open to not knowing, like realizing that there is a lot of interactions with these compounds that we don't know about. And we're still figuring out. I mean, even down to like natural compounds in like black cohosh or dim or all these supplements that people just rattle off and we really need to like take more seriously and proceed with caution. I think that's what our doctors do too. Like everything is done very precise and cautiously and with your best interest in mind and are have been, you know, for the most part deemed safe and effective as far as as we can tell, you know, Mm -hmm. and have a proven track record of of really helping people because the most expensive thing you can pay for in your life is bad medical advice 
because you're paying you're paying for with your body for your forever mm. forever and so i and then when people like grumble about you know finding you know good doctors and it's like oh yeah it is so important to find someone that you know is knows what they're doing yeah and isn't giving blanket protocols mm-hmm. um and just really cares really really cares yeah. you know and cares about yeah research right and continuing things out and is learn. there with you yeah like for the long term okay i'd love to get to some of these questions that our audience submitted we're you know we're not gonna have time to answer all of them because we'd be here all day long but it's gonna be fun to get to some of them okay so the first question is about options for low testosterone in women okay um low testosterone well there's a few things just to think about number one you want to make sure you have enough vitamin a in the diet because that's required for testosterone and um sometimes we don't get enough but it's so crucial to be eating like nutrient dense diet i mean for all hormone production that's necessary but specifically i think making sure your vitamin a levels are good um and then yeah a lot of our women will take sometimes they'll use a testosterone oil depending on age like for through the aging process a lot of hormones do go down um some go up some go down and so it's not we we deem it you know with with paired with the right sort of balancing mechanisms and methods some women will use a mixture of bioidentical um testosterone and it's so important to realize that like to like bite i think we limit ourselves when we say like testosterone is the male hormone and estrogen is the female hormone because no, it's testosterone has been shown to have protective elements for your heart. Um, it's so important for like your vigor and your energy. Um, and there's there's a few like herbs that people like to use like um, cordyceps. And then I think there's a few studies that actually show red light therapy has mm. benefits for optimizing testosterone levels. I personally have really high T levels. I think we've talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna, what I was going to ask is what do you see most often for women? Low testosterone? Low. Yeah. Okay. Usually low. Yeah, I don't know. I forget what the question was if it was high or low. Usually we see low. Okay. Which is not a, you know, not a fun place to be at all. Mhm. And I yeah, I have really high levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like, I think it's good. I think it's good. I like like I was saying is like we we try to like pathologize like we try to make everything oh this is bad or something um whereas i don't necessarily i mean you have to pair it with your symptoms too right like i don't have any um usually if you have like acne then it may be interpreted like there might be something just totally off with the balance of testosterone Mm. i don't have that and so i um i don't deem it as necessarily like something that needs to be evil or changed right away yeah i think also something worth noting is that these are right they've done studies and taken samples from many many people to get a range of what most people tend to be in Mm -hmm. and so if you're a little bit out of that range you might just be like that might be your healthy normal Mm -hmm. and so that is certainly something to consider like Mm -hmm. if you feel amazing (laughs) your range is a little off that might just be normal for you Mm -hmm. but this is i think this is why doing yearly testing and just staying on top of it Mm -hmm. is what's so important because if you're if you find out after testing yearly on a regular basis that your baseline for example testosterone is a little bit higher Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it jumps even higher then you might be able to go okay now i'm off my baseline what's going on so Mm -hmm. anyways that baseline testing can be really helpful Okay, on to the next question. 
Okay, this question is a little bit longer, so I'm going to read it. It says, Hi, Leon and Alana. I recently went to my gynecologist and he found four cysts in my ovary. I have PCOS and had a teratoma, which is a twisted ovary, removed seven years ago at age 21. Because I only have the one ovary and my age, he decided against surgery, given that it might hinder my opportunities to conceive in the future. So he prescribed a hormonal contraceptive to stop the ovary working and reduce the cysts. I don't like having to take the pill, but at the moment, it seems to be the only solution. My question is, once I'm off the pill and the cysts are gone, what can I do to ensure my hormones don't create more cysts? And if I do have children in the future, is there a way I can reduce their chances of getting PCOS? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bummer. So speaking to ovarian cysts, yeah. let's start there. So um, ovarian cysts sometimes are seen in animals that have hypothyroidism. So I think I mentioned this, but I would definitely check your thyroid levels and see if there's any imbalance there. And then also high estrogen can interrupt the ability for the ovaries to produce progesterone. And you want ample, you know, progesterone as a protective quality. And then I know that like thyroid issues can also interrupt the peptides involved with regulating ovarian function and so it's all sort of like all those three hormones thyroid hormones i mean thyroid's t3 and t4 but you get what i'm saying the broad spectrum of thyroid progesterone and estrogen need to be you know in optimal ways like working together and then um, what some doctors do is they will administer progesterone from days 5 to 26 of the menstrual cycle to sort of mimic a pregnancy um, that you don't ovulate to give the body a chance for the ovaries to heal. And it's a very safe method, but it's very short term. And mm. so, um, yeah, some pe- some doctors will do that. Obviously, work with an experienced doctor. You can come to us if that sounds like something you'd like to explore. But um, yeah, some people will do that. And then we don't use the birth control pill. It's really about, you know, if, if estrogen levels are high in terms of the PCOS, Actually, injections of estradiol have been shown to induce things like PCOS in animals. And that that ratio between progesterone and estrogen is super relative to PCOS. And so um, if if the, you know, if sort of diagnostics and symptoms do correlate with high estrogen, really about bringing that down, whether that's through, you know, diet, nutrition, exercise and, you know, uh, general lifestyle changes can help you know, normalize that on its own. There's a few like little eating hacks too that people do talk about, but, um, and then possibly using progesterone to help just, um, basically progesterone inactivates estrogen. They are, they're, they're antagonists. And so it, it literally causes the estrogen receptor to decompose. Mm -hmm. So if that's your issue, it is, it can be a very safe way of, of dealing with that possibly. Yeah. Well, and I think just, you know, the the bigger answer is find a practitioner who's willing to ask the question of why do you have ovarian cysts? Mm -hmm. Why do you have PCOS? Because everything happens in the body for a reason. Oh, yeah. And so I'm sure your current practitioner, your current doctor is probably offering you the best of his knowledge. But if it's feeling aligned for you, you might want to look into finding a practitioner who's like, Okay, let's dive into this a bit deeper. I want to understand why not just give something that's going to kind of take away the symptoms, Mm -hmm. but not address the cause. Yeah, and there's so much, I think the last part of that question was like, what can I do to, you know, change things? Well, 
like so symptoms are yeah like you said like there's just feedback to court sort of course correct um and the bigger the sort of air in the body the more reason you have to change something going on to course correct and so instead of looking at like oh well my body failed me like no it didn't it just needs different sort of inputs and so that's just about finding those sort of ways that are causing ruts in your own life yeah small things big things um yeah yeah the one thing this is really random actually but i do know that parasite infections can also play a big big role in ovarian cysts Mm -hmm. endometriosis pcos so that might also be something to just like peek at and check Mm -hmm. into is parasite infections so okay moving on hope that was helpful okay let me read this one all right this audience member said i've had a lump on my right breast toward the arm pit for a few months now it's normally painful especially when touched but also Mm. gives me random pains it also tends to become larger in size towards and around my period would this be something of concern in your opinion do you think from the info i just gave that it is caused by hormones so interesting when things in our bodies grow in response to hormones like fibroids are known to grow when estrogen's high um i definitely i never really take the approach that something's random um i think you know uh things are symptoms arise because of other reasons in my opinion i would definitely look into hormones and seeing if that's an issue um some women will do like a thermogram to see if there's vascularity around that area obviously if it's if it's just like a if it's a benign completely benign issue that does happen sometimes but um getting some more data to look at and see you know there's other sort of like things we can look at we can do a hormone panel we can do a thermogram to see if there's vascularity we can see if estrogen is high um fibrocystic breasts are known to be driven by things like high estrogen ele- chronically elevated like whenever you say like high it's really about the chronic nature of something obviously like once in a while i mean hormones are moving all the time sometimes they're high sometimes they're low it's it's just about the chronic unbalancing of something and so definitely something i would i would personally look into especially if it's um you know late, like doing some sort of uh, activity in the breast because we know um, breast tissue is very sensitive to hormones that's why um, they are the pathologies are like determined by PR positive you're, you know they have a lot of hormone tissues that are sensitive mm-hmm. to that area mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's I think it's always like in the, for a woman it's just very near and dear to understanding you know and you know like on a personal level know all that too yeah yeah well two things one is I think no matter what the question is we're always going to say cover the basics first Mm -hmm. which is yeah check in with your hormones check in with some of your other markers see your you know your primary care to kind of go through all the things and and we just start chiseling away as the detectives that we are (laughs) Um, but the one thing that I would add just from my own personal experience is the breast cancer that I had in my right breast was painful and Mm. all my doctors prior to finding the Center for New Medicine and the Cancer Center for Healing and Dr. Keneally were saying, well, if it was cancer, it wouldn't be painful. So you're fine. You're good. It's Mm. nothing. And I just had such a deep, deep intuitive feeling of like, this is something, something's off. But my my issue was finding doctors who were going to take it seriously because my doctors were brushing me off. I mean, I literally, I kid you not, I had a doctor who was like, it's probably your gallbladder, like go home, have a good day. 
Um, and so I trusted that gut feeling. Now that's not to say that for this person specifically, it is cancer, but Mm -hmm. again, it's going back to like, start with the basics and go from there. Totally agree. Okay. The next question is I did testing through the DNA company because of an interview I listened to with Dr. Patak and based on my results, they recommended I not use progesterone because I rapidly convert it to T testosterone and then DHT. I'm postmenopausal, but have been using bioidentical hormones for a few years, but I always feel bloated when using them. How do you tackle this issue? Yeah, I think um, one of the things with taking hormones is that through the years, you you always have to tweak them because you're always changing um, and, and you're aging and things are changing. And so the dosage change with, with them. And so um, working with a provider that will keep tweaking based off the feedback that your body gives and then your own sort of discoveries of like why, you know, something I'm eating, interacting with this and just keep, uh, you know, it's a chance to keep searching for things that are could work instead of just like relying on this is what my new normal because it doesn't feel like that right right and I think the the deeper thing is like if something's off if something if you're still not feeling good Mm -hmm. keep chiseling away at it it might be related to the hormones and dosage or it might be a completely different thing with again infections gut stuff so Mm -hmm. there could be a whole plethora of things contributing to it but I think you made a really great point which is like I think sometimes we want to be like, great, I'm on identical hormones now, whatever it is. Or like, I did the parasite cleanse and I'm good now. I never need to do these things again. I never need to check in with this issue again. And the reality is like, we are just ever changing, as you said. Mm-hmm, delicate creatures. And life, we go through so many different phases in life. And so if we can shift our mindset to, I'm just trying to like get my health in check so I never need to think about it again. Mm-hmm. From that to... No, I check in with things on a regular, semi-regular basis so that I can always be serving myself in the best way possible with supplementation, hormones, lifestyle, diet, all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone was listening to a podcast that said like, um, when you are very like sensitive to things going on in your body and have like a desire to change them, was I telling you this, that it's a sign of very high IQ and so uh because you're not just like you're not sort of like asleep at the wheel mm. you're sort of like oh like noticing and awake and aware um and and so sometimes it can feel like a burden and everything's overwhelming but it's all part of the process mm-hmm. yeah it really is and i mean you know i love talking about all the emotional stuff so we're not <laughs> gonna go like we're not gonna go into that but being asleep at the wheel there's so many reasons for that health health being a big one of those, right? If we're really, if we have gut infections, if our hormones are all over the place and if we're unsatisfied in our life, if things aren't aligned, if we don't have uplifting people, mm-hmm. that that can totally put us asleep at the wheel and that's a coping mechanism and for a lot for of people. And for our entire lives. Yeah. Some people do it for their entire lives. Totally. And, and I have so much empathy and compassion for that because Again, I think it, for many, it's just a coping mechanism and they don't have the resources to pull them out of it. But at the end of the day, some, you know, hopefully something wakes us all up at some point, you know, and mm-hmm. helps pull us out of it and get us on that upward spiral versus a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> well, this was thorough. <laughs> I hope I helped. Um, I'm happy to help. Um, like we, we really, I feel like we go the extra mile and try to, like we're just so committed to someone feeling better and feeling 
like they're thriving and on their right you know got the right sort of guidance mm-hmm. and so if you need any help or anything just reach out yeah so let the audience know where they can find you how they can connect with you um yeah you can go to momenthealth.co www.momenthealth.co or um if you want to you can reach out on instagram or twitter i'm active on those a little bit um but if yeah m- most importantly it's just yeah everyone is come patient and if you need anything we're here to help i love it well thanks alana i'm so excited for you thanks for having me (laughs) 